Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Municipal Arborist Podcast, episode number nine. This is going to be the last episode of this year, 2021. And in 2022, I hope to bring many more episodes and great guests. I'm speaking to you on a Wednesday where I should be at work, but I'm at home because I have the COVID-19 Omicron. At least I assume it's Omicron. Uh, anyways, it's been pretty mild. Honestly, it hasn't been too bad. I started feeling a little off last week, about Tuesday. Um, got tested Tuesday. It was negative. Got tested Thursday. It was negative. Um, proceeded with the Christmas activities for the weekend and then found out some other people at work had tested positive. And then my wife's like, are you going to go get tested again? And I was like, no, why would I go get tested again? I've already got two negative results. How, what are the odds that I would actually have it? This just is a cold because it's felt so mild. After pondering on her, on her thoughts for about an hour, I decided to go get tested again and sure as shit, I was positive. So I'm home for the week <clears throat> and uh, I had actually anticipated on doing this introduction and getting this posted up this past Sunday, but I was feeling a little, uh, little sick. So uh, now I'm getting around to it today. So everyone else in the house in the house is okay. Uh, my youngest daughter tested positive. She had a fever for a couple hours. My oldest daughter also had a fever for a couple hours and tested negative. And my wife also tested negative. But we're all healthy and happy and stuck in this house together for many, many days. So wish me luck. Anyways, I'm happy to report that on today's episode, we have Eric Peterson, who is the founder and owner of Arbor Risk Insurance. I've been following along in their uh, social media account for about the past year and a half or so. I first found out about Arbor Risk when my good friend Peggy Drescher uh, began working for them as a consultant. And um, their social media seems really cool. Um, Basically what they do is instead of just selling you insurance, they actually try to lower your insurance costs and try to work essentially the angles of the insurance industry along with the arboriculture industry to help get you better rates and then also uh, build up your company more professionally and, you know, in turn that builds up our industry. So uh, you can find them online, just Google Arborisk. It's A-R-B-O-R-I-S-K. Uh, basically, I'm going to read right from their website. Arborist empowers great tree care companies to become extraordinary by helping them get everyone home safe each night, work on the business, not in it, recruit and hire great employees, create a strong culture of safety, reduce insurance costs, and fill the calendar with quality jobs. I sat down with Eric Peterson, again, who's the founder and owner of Arborist Insurance, um, at the Illinois Arbor Association annual conference back at the beginning of November. Uh, this is another one of the, uh, podcast recordings that I've kind of been sitting on, uh, catching up on other stuff, but finally we're going to 
we're going to go ahead and, and publish this one. Uh, again, the audio on this is not so, so, so great uh, due to the room we're recording in. Um, if you listen to the other one with Zach King, uh, I mentioned on that introduction that, you know, we're using large diaphragm condenser microphones in a pretty shitty hotel room, cement walls, cement ceiling, uh, laminated floors. So there's a lot of reverb going on in there. Uh, but I spent a little time and got this episode dialed in and it, it should sound pretty reasonable in my opinion. Uh, Eric and I had a great discussion. He seems like a real, really great guy. And I look forward to seeing him at the, uh, Wisconsin Arbor Association, uh, in February of 2022 and hopefully having a beer or two with the man again. Um, so uh, quick bio, Eric Peterson has been helping great tree care companies become extraordinary for over 18 years. Using Arborisk's exclusive risk management approach, he gets his clients to build a better business while lowering their insurance costs at the same time. Eric is a member and past president of the Wisconsin Arborist Association, as well as a member of ISA, TCIA, and eight other ISA local chapters. Um, let's see what else we got here. So, uh, email, if you want to email me any questions, concerns, comments, critiques, uh, that's the municipal arborist at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the municipal arborist. That's at the municipal arborist where I share pictures and video of my day to day workings of the professional municipal arborist in urban forestry. On top of that, this episode is going to have uh, free ISA CEU, so make sure you click the link and follow uh, the prompts to receive those. Uh, as usual, please uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Please, if you have any any moment of brief time in your phonings, uh, go ahead and use those thumbs and type up a review for me on either iTunes or I don't know if Spotify does reviews, but I know iTunes does. So please leave me leave a review on there. It really helps the charts. And uh, please share with your friends this podcast. And, uh, you know, I hope to bring you guys some good guests coming up in 2022. Uh, this first year has been very positive. I first published, I believe, towards the end of April. And we've had nine episodes. We're coming close right up on um, just like 20 or so downloads shy of 2,000 downloads total. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Um, actually, let's see here. I'll read a couple a couple stat statisticals for you. Yeah, as of right now at 11.40 a.m. on Wednesday, December 29th, I have 1,951 downloads since we first published. Um, of that... We have listeners from whoo, from 23 separate countries and 475 cities. Uh, I have all of the continents except for Africa. I guess they don't like municipal forestry in that continent. So if you know anyone down there, let's get at least one download from there. Keep this party going. Um, Hopefully, I'm, I'm planning to do about one episode per month next year, at least one episode per month, which would translate to 12 CEUs and hopefully a couple thousand more downloads. And um, yeah, that's it. So hopefully no one else gets the COVID-19. I'm sure many, many will, but uh, I'm okay. And hopefully if you guys get it, you'll, you'll be okay too. So happy new year. And uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get on with our lives. You guys have a great one.
Well, I actually went to school for forestry at Wisconsin Stevens Point. Mm. Graduated with a forest recreation major and business minor. Um, actually got a job with Milwaukee County Parks in their forestry division right out of school. So I was pretty excited that a lot of my classmates weren't getting jobs in the field right away. Worked as an arborist for four months and unfortunately got cut with some budget cuts that came through. So oh. I, throughout college, had kept my insurance license because I'd worked with my father and his our family insurance agency. And then after I got let go at the parks, I said, Dad, can I have a job? And joined the insurance agency and really wanted to combine both backgrounds. Um, he was heavy on the home and auto personal side, so I developed the commercial side of it and started working with tree services, and that was back in 2003. So attended my first WA conference, Wisconsin Arborist Association, in 2005 as a vendor and really grew it from there. Started volunteering, got on the board of directors, and just kept insuring more tree care companies, learning more in depth about the business side of the industry. And in 2012, created the brand Arborisk, mm-hmm. which is what you see now. And we're in 30 different states writing insurance and risk management help for tree services. And really, we've transitioned our whole commercial lines and commercial department to just working with tree care companies. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty pretty great yeah. you know, development and, and ride that we're on. Yeah. So you, you your company builds up separate levels of consulting, essentially. So you're not just selling insurance, like that's one level. And then for a little bit extra um, services, you'll consult and actually help them build up their company, their safety programs and training, and also um, not just professional development, but also business management, correct? Yeah. And really our whole concept comes from the risk management mindset, Mm -hmm. where if you're doing the right things to build the best business you can, you're going to lower your exposure to risk. You're going to have more profitable business into the future. And from all my conversations over all the years that I've been working with tree services, there are some common core principles and common issues that we all face. And so our consulting services have been built around that on the issues that tree care companies are are facing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And from the safety standpoint to the business strategy, it's all, every company is unique, but they're all similar issues. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's been fun to develop our risk management services, which are a fee-based service that supplement our insurance policies that we can provide. Yeah. Really help them. Well, it ends up lowering their insurance cost over time, certainly, but they build a better business. They reach their goals faster. They're able to actually, you know, do what they want with their business Mm -hmm. versus just buying an insurance policy from us. Sure. One of my favorite lines is insurance is not risk management. You know, insurance is part of risk management. It's a very important part of risk management. Mm-hmm. But risk management is so much deeper than that. It's it's the practice of removing or managing the risk and exposure that your business faces. Mm-hmm. And one way is to transfer that risk, buying an insurance policy and letting the insurance company handle the, the financial costs there. Yeah. But really, the, the risk management, I'm kind of a risk management nerd that way. <laughs> and and I know the, the sound of that sounds really boring, but it's really something that I'm passionate about. No, that's great. I mean, there needs to be people like you pushing every industry forward in any facet of whatever it is. And 
it's great that there's someone like you and your company in this industry. And that's what I love about this industry is there's so many passionate people yeah. that, I mean, there's some that aren't, but for the, the great majority are like, even the companies that are not, they have it in them and they want to be better, but sometimes they just don't know how to find the way. They just need a little bit of handholding yeah. um, and pulled in the right direction. So it's great when a company finds someone like you and you can push them in the right direction. Yep. And it's nice that you could, you know, recommend like TCIA uh, training programs and stuff to them and, um, you know, just help them out. Yeah. There are so many great resources for the industry and the tree care people, as we all know, they want to help everybody. Mm-hmm. The, the true professionals want to see everybody succeed because that elevates the whole industry. Right. And when I got into the insurance world, before I truly settled within the tree care industry, I you know looked at other industries, the heating and air conditioning, electricians, plumbers, other contracting type industries. They're not set up like this. They're, yeah. they're competitive. And they view the next guy down the line or down the road as their true competitor. Yep. So I, I really love that about the tree care world where they we're, we're all in this together. Yeah. So I have that since you just mentioned that I know there's a we deal with insurance at my at my work um, in our city. You have to be licensed with the city to do any kind of work. Doesn't matter if you're a tree company, carpenter, electrician, whatever. You need a contractor license. In order to get that license issued, you have to pay a $50 fee, and then you also have to show proof of liability insurance, right? Yep. yep. And the way the ordinance is written is it's very bland, I guess I should say. And it basically just specifies $2 million of liability insurance. So the reason that I'm tying that back to what you just said about like um, electricians and stuff like that mm-hmm. is there are some tree care companies in the area, as there are everywhere, who do operate kind of like that. And they're just like a bottom line, try to get things done. So the type of insurance that they have, they may have that $2 million liability insurance, but they're not operating necessarily legally the way they should under their insurance policies probably, right? Perhaps, yeah. Insurance is, you, you see the policies, they're super thick and a lot of words within the policies. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things that we do from a risk management side on the insurance is make sure that the words are correct. And if you buy an insurance policy, a lot of times there's specific limitations in there or exclusions on what you can and can't do. So we've seen plenty of times on insurance policies that a, a tree care company has a landscaping policy. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's written incorrectly, and unfortunately, sometimes if there's a claim, if it's written incorrectly, you're giving the insurance company a gray area to say no, I'm not going to pay that. Yeah, and we all know what happens in gray areas with insurance companies. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be on that side of it. Yeah. So we make sure that you go through your policy and actually see the language. Limitation of coverage is a phrase you want to be worried of. Exclusion is a phrase you want to be worried about. What is the, I think I'm very ignorant to all this stuff, um, but what is, isn't there like a height requirement or something like working at a height or a tree height or something that would separate you from landscaper to whatever tree care company? So some some insurance companies do have a height limit where they won't cover anything that is done above 30 feet. Okay. Most don't, but some do. Some of the online brokers and online policies that we've seen mm-hmm. do have a height limit. Okay. Meaning if you're pruning a tree above 30 feet and that branch, that top of that tree flops out and lands on a kid or the family dog or a fence, 
they're not going to cover the liability there. Um, worst case is if you know your employee falls out of the tree at that height, the workers' comp might not cover them. Oh, now wow. those are very few and far between. But some of the online vendors, like I said, we have seen that. Yeah, the more the, the general liability that we see the most of issues or mistakes are when there's specifically exclusions for your operations. Where crane work is excluded. Oh, we've seen that a number of times. Where any operations involving crane is excluded. <laughs> One example: we were in Ohio. Great, great company. Walk through their shop. Have an 86-foot crane. You know, get the policies the next day. I'm looking at them, and there's that exclusion in there. I emailed the page 177 or whatever it was of their 200-page <laughs> document to the owner, and I said, "Hey, this is on your policy. We'll fix it right now." But you didn't have coverage liability wise for that crane and mm -hmm. there was no question it was a crane truck right in yeah. your shop i gotta imagine that all that in some instances like that it's not necessarily the fault of the insurance company or the fault of the owner like it could potentially be something like they're going through a list of questions and saying mm -hmm. do you do crane work and you say the company owner says no right. and then maybe every once in a while they contract out right a crane and then they're in that bad area yeah well and that's that's certainly what you know you have to be careful with and and why we enjoy being a specialist within the company mm -hmm. or within the industry is knowing the questions that we should be asking yeah and there are a lot of insurance agencies that do focus on tree care work um, a handful around the country we were just at the tci expo and there's a number of great agents that are there too um, but not everyone has that expertise so find someone that does so that they can ask the right questions because insurance is so particular. It's so specific. And if if we can if an insurance industry can exclude something that they think will be an issue, they're going to. Of course. You just have to make sure you buy it back or have the language correct. Is there for your policies, do you offer like not discounts, but I guess lower pricing, better pricing for different types of certifications or additional licensing and things like that within the industry so one of the i gave a talk through the rocky mountain chapter in a virtual conference this last year and we talked about how to lower your insurance cost really through risk management but one of the parts of that talk we we get into how and what the insurance industry needs and looks at when they're setting your rates or your your price um the really there are two things they want profit right of course and they want proof they want to provide proof that they're going to earn profit on your, your business, that you're not going to have injuries and accidents. You're not going to have claims. Mm -hmm. So in the insurance world, if you look at um, the amount of money they take in from premium and the amount of money they pay out in claims, it's a loss ratio, they call that. But 60% is what they're looking for. So paying out 60 cents on every dollar they take in, that's where they are break even. They have their expenses, overhead, and all that that account for that other forty percent. So, if they take in a dollar and they pay a dollar in expenses and claims, they're happy. They're making their money and investing it. Right? Mm -hmm. They take your money, invest it, let it grow, then they have to pay it out whenever that is. So, in in the underwriter's mind, that's what they're thinking. Okay, if I'm going to charge thirty thousand dollars for this business auto policy, I need to make sure that they don't have more than forty thousand in claims. Okay, that was two thirds, not sixty percent, oh, yeah. but close enough. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an insurance guy, not a mathematician. But 
that's essentially the calculation that they're doing in their head. Now, what we like to do is position, and, and what tree care companies should do is position themselves to the insurance company to prove why they deserve a lower rate. Certification, to get back to your direct question, yeah. certifications, um, designations, associations, uh, memberships, uh, all of your training and safety programs that you do, giving them a sample of the sign-in sheet for your weekly tailgate safety, a copy of your vehicle use policy, a copy of um, any of the additional training that you have maybe brought in an outside vendor for. All of those things build the picture, the proof to the insurance company that, hey, we're going to be a safe company. We're operating at the professional level that you would expect and want from us. We're not going to have those claims. Yeah. And, and if we do have the claims, it's not because we haven't tried to minimize them and tried to re- reduce, you know, control our own risk. Sure. So your company versus Joe Schmo online policy writers, do they look at that differently? Do they care? Because if they're not, they're not in the industry and they don't know, I mean, do they just want any kind of generic thing or are they, are they not weighing that as heavily as you, as you would be? So we definitely take a, a broader approach right off the bat and try to learn more about our clients and grab that information and if they if they don't have those policies and procedures in place certainly help them get that in place and that's really where our risk management services have been developed from okay you know joe if your tree service doesn't have a fleet safety program now we have a solution to help you get it in place Mm -hmm. because we know when we present that to the insurance company it helps on your rate and clearly it's going to help you with your business understood so yeah yeah certainly we want to ask more questions up front questions that you might not think an insurance guy would be asking, um, but are very relevant and, and important in the whole scheme of your business. Yeah. What are your hiring practices? You know, what does your hiring process look like? We know employees are the biggest source of our exposure, right? Right. Yeah. Whether they're on the on the road or in the, the bucket truck or on the job site. Um, how are we making sure that you're getting the best employees and hiring them the right way so that we're working on your risk yeah that's really cool so are you is the is is the is the industry the insurance or i guess your company specifically how are the new potential osha rules that are coming within the next few years hopefully going to impact the industry for you so I have to be careful when I say this, right? Because no one wants further regulation, I don't think. But I do think that having a tree care standard is going to be a really good thing for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Because it's specific to what we do. We're not going to be lumped in with landscapers or loggers or anything else. It's specific to what we're do- and going to do. Not to interrupt, but I think most of the companies that you're working with are already doing the things that right. the rule would, right. would, would impose. Yep, so. absolutely. And one thing, because I've been involved with some of the Z133 task groups and sitting on the, the training task group in particular, trying to get training involved or part of the Z so that when the OSHA standard comes through, that they can see there's training component built into the Z. I see, um, yeah. Because that's a big deal for OSHA, as it should be. And it's an area that the industry needs to improve upon on helping companies what to train, how to train, when to train, th- all those questions. So it's been fun to see the development of that, mm-hmm. and it still needs to go through the approval process and right. everything like that. But 
that will be part of what OSHA standard is looking at so that we can make sure that our tree services are providing the training that needs to happen. Yeah, I was on a panel last year for the Department of Labor for, it was basically, I don't remember what it was, you know how the federal government has letter designations for everything. It's like DDCQDQR, like whatever it was. I don't remember because it was odd, but basically it was a panel of people from around the country who were looking at all the data that they had collected for accidents and then some uh, rough draft proposals that they had for the rule. And they just wanted some feedback on it and how it would affect small businesses. Yeah, I think it was the small so business... Up. I think it was a small business advisory panel or SBA. Okay. I, I, I could send you the documents if you want to read them. But sure. <laughs> it was interesting listening to the mix of people that were on the panel. I think there was three or four different panels, and I think my panel had like eight or ten people on it, I want to say. And we just did like a two-hour conference call. They sent us all this huge, giant packet, mm -hmm. and you know we read it, and then we all like went through a list of questions together and talked with whoever this was from the Department of Labor. Right. Sorry, I don't remember names and details. But anyways, it was interesting listening to the feedback from everybody. And the, it, there wasn't just tree, tree care professionals on the call. There were landscapers who did tree work. Sure. There was one guy who was a general contractor, like who builds houses. Mm -hmm. And he, he removes trees sure. sometimes in order to build these new houses. And, you know, he was totally against the rule because it would greatly increase his costs right. to be able to remove these trees. Um, some of the landscape people obviously weren't on board with it, but most of the tree companies were. Mm -hmm. But some of the rules that were uh, proposed, one of the biggest ones that I was on the fence about was uh, forcing uh, electronic um, headphones and uh, microphones. Uh, what's that called? Uh, the, this the Bluetooth scene. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's yeah. a brand. But yeah, yeah exactly that type of system. Mm -hmm. Which I think that's great, yeah. but I think for smaller companies, that's going to impose a lot of additional costs, you know, for them. Um, but anyway, sorry to go off on a tangent, yeah. off on the side like that, though. But it, that that rule is going to be very, very interesting because that type of rule, and if those if those costs are going to go up for companies, that's going to affect mm -hmm. what money they have to play with for everything else that they need to run their business too, including insurance and right possibly everything else training and you know everything so yeah but again the companies who are for the rule they're already doing all that stuff right. you know yeah from from my perspective it won't change for most companies most of the professional ones yeah and the whole goal is to help the ones that aren't there know what they need to do so that they get there yeah i mean i i understand all that right um some of the specifics that i've heard the defibrillators Oh yeah, that, that was, was a big com part of conversation. I know, yeah, um, and point of point of contention in some of those meetings. Yep, um, the Bluetooth headsets, in my opinion, I, I think they're fantastic for the job site. Absolutely, I I totally agree. But it will create an ex extra cost. Yeah, I feel like I I know I read that one of the documents, and I feel like it was an extra seven. They, they're estimating the rule would place on a burden of a seventeen hundred dollars per employee. For the new company that sounds about right or per company yeah I say. that sounds about right yeah i think that's the number don't quote me on that but it was something like that yeah. which is a chunk well yeah and i actually was opposed to the defibrillators yeah um i think they're great um people were talking about training like who the training honestly you don't really need training for them it tells you exactly what to do like 
once you if someone gets over the fear of pulling one off the wall if you can show them how to do that then they can run it but anyways between that and between the communication devices it just seemed like too much cost and i actually wrote um like a summary that i sent in which they published god damn it but luckily i wrote on it that this does not reflect the views of my employer you know what i mean right um but i put that that kind of thing i think is good but maybe it's something that should be revisited later as costs come down on that type of technology instead of imposing immediately right now Um, i think that's one thing that i've learned through the z process is any change that we institute as an industry for the industry right we start small and we add to it as people get comfortable and get used to it and it has been really neat to see how the z is put together the minds the thought process the just the way that it goes and it it's a slower process intentionally for mm-hmm. that reason yeah um so if people are listening and want to be involved definitely if you have an issue with the z or anything get involved and you can have your input but it's something that it's not a put together document and thrown out thrown out there it it goes through a lot of a lot of time and test and and conversation and every little little word is scrutinized so yeah that will get there with the osha standard i'm sure and hopefully my hope is that they osha adopts the z yeah 33 and and really uses all that time and energy and experience and uh industry knowledge that goes into the z133 to the standard i think it would be very hard and difficult to swallow for a lot of people if OSHA does their own thing. Yeah, well, it's going to be... I, I wrote in my memo that they should yeah. adopt that. Thank you. And then, yes, <laughs> they don't care about me, though. No. And then if if they don't, I said that they need to reference it in places where there's voids, you know? Right. Um, it's such a goofy thing. I mean, I understand the way the government operates. And like you said, the detail that went into and goes into any Z change. Right. Um, now imagine that blown up in a big federal perspective and you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of people and different levels and layers of government and politics and lobbies, et cetera. Right. So it's, they're getting pulled in all directions. And then honestly, I work in government so I can say this. There's a lot of incompetent people floating <laughs> around. So... That slows things up and could cause some problems. Right. But yeah, I think ultimately it's good. That's cool that you work yeah. on that, that you work on the Z133 stuff. That's really cool. It, it has been great. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm appreciative of being invited into those task groups. And yeah, it's it does give that different perspective at really understanding how it, it's put together. And not like a lot of people, I breezed through the Z beforehand. I understood the concept of the main things where it was in there, but now working on the task groups, like analyzing and getting into the actual verbiage and seeing the intent of everything just brings it more full circle. And yeah, when I can then go to a client now and say, do you use the Z133? And they can say, well, yeah, we have it. I'm like, no, do you use it? <laughs> you can take these three paragraphs and there's a tailgate safety meeting. Right. And it's easy language. Yeah. You can use those four paragraphs and it's the next tailgate safety. You take that book, it's your safety program. Right. I mean, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Safety training program. You know, you can just continually use that. And there should be no reason that we are intimidated by it because it's, I don't know, 60 pages and a lot of words. Right. Right. But that happens, unfortunately. Of course. Yeah. So. Well, I remember when I was first came into the industry and I went, attended my first chainsaw 
uh, safety training when I was introduced to the tool and I was handed that book yeah. and I was like oh Jesus Christ <laughs> right. like this is a lot of shit yeah. you know but it's like it's just like he said circling back everything is you, you know small small steps yeah. and build building it building yourself up and you know in turn hopefully building up the industry right. and that's like like what I love about this industry I've talked about a lot of times on this show and to other people not even on a podcast is all the passionate people like yeah. you and everyone we talk to and that's why I love coming to these conferences and you get like reinvigorated right you know especially for me at the end of the season I'm just burnt out and I can't wait to take a breath so it's nice that these conferences come right at the right time mm -hmm. to where I can take a breath reinvigorate talk to everybody yes. and you know like the sign says above the toilet reinvigorate <laughs> rejuvenate <laughs> rejuvenate yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great and talking to people like you it's yeah. it's nice you know it makes me want to do better at my job and that's what i've always wanted to do and i like talking to people who also you know share that yeah so absolutely well thanks for having me here because i agree completely and it is the industry is full of great people yeah um, and i've always said this and i know you have other people and you've said it too like getting involved and being involved elevates yourself and and brings you in that community and you get so much more back yeah then you give absolutely and, and it, it is really cool that way yeah everyone just kind of builds each other up yeah. and it's a big giant circle and it's yeah. it's great yep you know there's always people trying to pull you down like <laughs> it's funny there's a company i won't say their name but they uh they give me a lot of problems in my town and they're actually from this area down here which is about 45 minutes away from the city i work in mm -hmm. and they don't follow any safety standards at all and their company name has pro in it yeah. so right but anyways it's funny right but you know i saw you a couple minutes ago down at your booth and i said you know i'll meet you up here at 8 45 i'll run to the gas station i ran to the gas station grab my red bull yeah as i'm sitting at the light they go driving by to go to a job a job site right just funny like the whole professional industry is sitting right here at this intersection at this conference and they're just driving by like yeah. <laughs> no probably no clue that we're even we're all over here you right. know so I'd like to grab them, you know, and try to help them, but they they don't, you know, there's certain people that don't unfortunately want to be a part of this. Right. So I wish they did because they're missing out, not on just proving that they're professional, but just, I don't know, being inspired. And well, and when that company gets elevated and they start, you know, practicing safer, they can charge more then everybody can charge a little bit more. Yeah, that's... And I, everybody can win. Like I've talked to Peggy about this so many yeah. times. Like, the, the, the industry is undercutting themselves. Right. And they're killing each other for no reason. You know? I mean, everyone can make... I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, price fixing. Nope. But no. everybody could be making more money. Mm -hmm. You know? If they're making money now doing what they're doing, if they just you know did a little bit more training a little bit more certifications or licensing or whatever yep. and then charged more <laughs> they'd everyone everyone would be making more money and it goes back to every individual within that company yes they would be making yeah, too they're yeah. in a better individual financial spot but also personal development spot and, yeah. and all of that so yeah we're on the same page yeah with that. just so so goofy man and some sometimes i see prices that people are charging and i can't i can't believe it um, funny story with that. So, you know, you always hear t 
talks about how like municipal contracts need to put like TCIA accreditation into right. their contract specs. That's a great idea, but I'll tell you, we tried that mm-hmm. once. Um, we actually have that in our um, PHC, our tree inoculation programs for Dutch Elm disease and uh, uh, Emerald Ash Borer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a big contract. I think it's like forty grand or something like that. Well, it's pretty good for the company that has it. Sure. But anyways, um, we have it in there, but we tried to put it in at our uh, cycle prune contract okay. just as additional points. And the companies that did not have the accreditation came in around like 150, 175, somewhere in there mm-hmm. to prune 3,000 trees, okay. approximately. The TCIA accredited companies, mm-hmm. where do you think they came in? Just throw out a number, guess. So 150 for non-accredited companies. 225. No, like closer to half a million dollars. Oh, wow. And these are the, the big name companies yeah, right. that you would imagine, you know. Right. So... As much as I would love those companies, mm-hmm. it's not financially feasible. Mm-hmm. The reason it is not financially feasible is because these other companies who are low bid, who could be making that same amount of money, that's what that, that, that what we were just talking about. Everyone could be making that, you know, right. 400,000 for the same thing that this other company is charging 165 for. So that's a perfect ex- example of loss of not just revenue and professional development, but also loss of potential growth for the industry sure. as a whole. Do you see, um, and I don't know in, in this case, but the quality of work difference? And oh, yeah. I would so, imagine, right? Yeah. So we're, we're really lucked out right now with the company that we have. Um, the way our contracts are built is are one plus one plus one. So potentially three years, depending on performance and how everyone gets along. So we've had this company right now for three years, and they're actually great. Like for low bid, their pruning is just the way I like it. They do minimal, which is great for them because they can move faster through the project. It's also good for us because they're not over pruning and lines tailing and causing potential problems decades from now. Um, However, we have had problems with some companies some of which are here, <laughs> where we didn't renew. Um, one of them, we had to actually cancel the project because the, the service was just, or the pruning was just so terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a that's a whole nother like can of worms trying sure. trying to uh, convince city council that we need all this additional money for something. Um, the part that they don't un- that they not they but a lot of people can't wrap their mind around is. It's not like a capital project where you're doing like street resurfacing mm-hmm. and you may have to replace some curb and gutter and let's say they do something incorrectly like you just send them back and they tear it out and put in redo it sure with trees obviously you can't do that right they don't understand that once the damage is done it's done forever and then potentially is going to continue to get worse and cause you more problems later sure. so that type of education is difficult and that's not something for me to just educate. That's the, something that the whole industry, industry. needs yeah. to educate everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, that's a whole other can of worms. It so. sure is. Yeah. I guess I, just thinking here, from my clients that do municipal work, from your chair, are there ways that they can create better proposals or work better with municipalities that I can get bring back to them? Well... It's hard to say. Um, everyone's going to operate a little different. Yeah. I mean, we our contracts are pretty 
large. So I think like our tree removal contracts about a quarter of a million dollars. Mm -hmm. um, the cycle prunes like 165, something like that. Um, so and then we have like a T and M uh, maintenance contract for like um, off cycle stuff, emergency work. I think sure. that's like 125 or something. The biggest thing that I have seen is companies overextending themselves. Okay. Um, that happens quite often, I think. Because they see a big contract dollar yeah. figure and so, say, oh, we got to get that. Yeah. So they'll pick up a bunch of contracts and then say a storm hits regionally. And now you have three of these maintenance contracts with three different municipalities who all got hit by the same storm. Right. And everyone's just kind of waiting for them to show up to, to come to you. Sure. The other big thing is organization. So if you're, well, we're dealing with large quantities. So 500, approximately right now, we're at like 500 removals a year, which includes 500 stump removals, 500 site restorations. And then you have the cycle prune, that's 3,000 trees. And then sure. another, you know, five or 600 off-cycle pruning T&M jobs. So we have it all organized great because we have uh, uh, tree, uh, tree inventory software that yeah. operates work order management too. So it's easy for us mm -hmm. but for a lot of companies they don't so we think it's easy we send them a spreadsheet with different tabs and we send it to them and we expect them to kind of like we'd make it easy like just work off of this yeah but somehow they still can't keep that organized so that's another problem that I see sure so you know if they start falling behind and we start asking questions where are you at mm -hmm. they can't answer just because of complete lack of organization sure. and I think a lot of times what happens is you get a project manager who gets the list and then he distributes the list to the crews mm -hmm. and then it takes a long time for the crews to filter back to him what's actually taking place sure um, as far as like contracts go and pricing I don't care if they go up because as long as it's the lowest I mean we have a certain budgeted amount obviously a year right but if everything keeps coming in consistently over what our budget is we have two options. We either have to lower what our scope of work is, mm -hmm. which sucks, but if it's consistently coming in at a certain level, then we need to ask for more money. Mm -hmm. And if we can show the data of what everyone else is doing with their budgets, and then we can all come up together, you know? Right. But it has to be justifiable, too. Sure. It can't just be one day one year like everyone starts coming in $150,000 over what we used to be right you know that's a, again that's a slow burn more training more certifications more education with the public so so you mentioned contracts and something that we see obviously are risk management wise right a lot of the tree care companies businesses in general but tree care industry companies sign contracts with a municipality or a general contractor without reading them <laughs> I mean, we all sign stuff way too quick, Yeah, no matter what it is. But there are some major risk and liability implications built into those contracts. And for our listeners, hopefully, when you're getting a contract for a tree job or long-term project, that you actually understand the ramifications of what you're signing. Mm -hmm. um, additional insured status is something that's in all of them almost. Yep. Basically... The tree care company is giving permission to the municipality or the general contractor to have coverage on their policy. And it usually is primary and non-contributory, meaning the municipality goes first. So it really is something that we try to educate our clients on. If, send us something before you sign it. We're not attorneys, 
but we know how the insurance is going to play and it's going to be either additional cost or you're giving up complete rights to your own defense and giving it to the municipality first. Yeah. So it's something that uh, it's getting better. Uh, I think we as an industry are getting better at it, but it's still the transfer of risk from a municipality or a large general contractor to the tree service is happening all over the place. Yeah. And same thing with crane contracts. We see a lot of issues there where the tree service needs the crane to come in, but the crane, in the in the language of the contract, gives everything back to the tree service. I'm not taking any responsibility. I'm the crane guy coming in. It's on you, Mr. Tree Service. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I just thought when you mentioned yeah, contract, we should talk about. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I never really really thought about that yeah it was uh, the thing that it's totally different but the thing that our uh in my experience i see that they don't read or care too much for uh understanding is uh liquidated damages right so we put if you don't have the work done by a certain amount of time that we're going to charge back the x amount of dollars now we we've never had to do that but we threaten it once it gets out of hand i mean we have to otherwise the work's not going to get done and guess what's not covered on insurance policy (laughs) (laughs) not surprised when it shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be and that eats into the profit big time one one for for us if you're this contract the tree removal contract for example like i said it's quarter million dollars um obviously since it's such large quantities the price for these removals are are very low i mean i off the top of my head i I don't have the table in front of me but off the top of my head if it's like a 16 inch tree or something like that or 16 18 whatever it's probably only like 180 dollars or 120 to remove it sure um per our contract but the liquidated damages are like 120 or 150 per tree or something. Right. So, say you're a, uh, you, we sent you 50 trees on a work order and it's been two months and it's not done. Mm-hmm. That's everything. That's right. your whole all your profit is completely gone and now you're in the hole. You know, we would never do that. I mean, it'd have to be bad for us to do that. But but you can. We can. Yeah. Legally, you put in the contract. Yeah. They agreed to it. It's just a way more for us to throw it back at them put pressure on them say, to get it yeah, done. yeah <laughs> for sure you need to do this um have you had any problems with uh your clients and municipalities not, or issues not problems from a claim or non-payment or any of that kind of not i didn't mean like that yeah where we see the issues would be the re- contract requirements on the insurance side okay. municipality requiring a 10 million dollar umbrella and $10 million of cyber liability or requests that make sense for certain contracts that the municipality is getting into with certain vendors that don't really play in the tree world. Okay. And when that happens, then we educate our clients, the tree service, to say, okay, ask them if they can strike this from the contract, this and this and this. And sometimes we can get them to do that. Sometimes we can't. So, again, that becomes an education thing of let's do this before you sign. So if you're going to have an extra five, ten, twenty thousand of insurance cost, you know about it before you put your bid in, <laughs> because I, that's probably the biggest issue that we see is okay. they sign the contract now they now they have to provide this insurance, and now we're trying to help them get the insurance, but it's their numbers are going to be upside down or a big dent or chunk being taken out of it because. We didn't have that conversation before. Yeah. So that's that's where I see is probably the biggest challenge. That I gotta imagine that happens a lot because I gotta imagine some companies just are flying out these bids left and right, you know, 
and they're not taking the time to get in the weeds. Once a company goes through it once, then they either raise their limits to what is kind of standard. Okay. <laughs> then they're usually decent. Mm-hmm. But every company seems like they need to go through that once to learn it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I really wish we didn't have to have that personal experience to learn it. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's a matter of just making sure that we know what is supposed to be covered. Yeah. What the contract says. Um but yeah, that's 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 probably my biggest issue that we see with tree care companies working with municipalities. But do you have um, any arborists on on your staff? Like on our team? Yeah, not direct arborists. No longer. <laughs> um, we well, have Peggy, right? Yeah. So Peggy um, is certified arborist CTSP. Yeah. So Peggy works on our Thrive Risk Management side, mm-hmm. um, along with. I guess Margaret is a CTSP, Margaret E. Bear down in Texas. Um, Dawn Thierbach in Michigan, she's a CTSP certified arborist. Um, so, yeah, they're on our Thrive Risk Management team. Cool. Uh, on our insurance team, no, we don't have any direct arborists. But, but I mean, I think that's really cool that you have the three of them yeah. on your risk management side. Yep. I mean, that's your people who know. Who literally know and, and that's know. been the best thing from my chair is to get the team in the right place right and have the people that know the industry uh, Kevin Martledge who's another one of our thrive consultants that uh, he used to work with ISA on their certification oh, um, cool so he, he has extensive knowledge of the industry and Jim Skira he's really who helped me form the thrive program and he acts as a kind of a a father figure for the whole you know organization that we have on the thrive and he's been fantastic personally and one of my you know best mentors that i've had helping build our our program and still remain dedicated to the industry and our core why we're in business and why we're here and what we're trying to do and help making sure i don't ever lose sight of that risk management mindset because i Looking at our production numbers, we need to get, you know, just like a tree service, you know, mm-hmm. make sure we stay to our core. He's, he always asks the perfect question of the questions we all know we need to ask ourselves that are simple. And now does this really relate back to what we're trying to do here. Are you going too far in one direction area? Yeah. So the, yeah, having the industry knowledge and team behind us and w- with us has been great. Yeah. Man, you're a really unique company. Thank you. We've. I'm proud cool. of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm really proud of our development and um, our insurance team is fantastic too. Our insurance team has industry experience as well. From uh, Tom Dunn used to work with TCIA. Uh, he's got some amazing industry perspective. He was actually a claims adjuster before he went to TCIA. Oh wow, it's a big circle. Yeah. So he <laughs> he did similar to me, but just more in depth knowledge on both sides of the industry. And okay and the insurance side and mick kelly is our other insurance guy he came actually from ireland um and now he's fulfilling his dream of being an insurance agent in (laughs) in the states but no he's been in insurance for almost 10 years now came to us wanting to specialize in an industry understanding that doing insurance as a generalist is is difficult you don't know everything about that industry that you're working on and when you specialize, you can focus directly on that. Um, so it's been really neat for him to see that. And 
really Ryan Watry in the inside the office. He's the one, and if you talk to anybody about has arborist insurance, they know Ryan, and Ryan holds. He's the glue. He holds it together. So, yeah, I, I'm really proud of our team um, and the group that we have. It it makes a difference, and I should say that right, but it really yeah. does. Yeah, I mean, the the knowledge that we can help and the questions that we ask really help. You've built an interesting company you know and it's great i think it's great for the industry and it's also great for the company itself because if you're teaching or and helping the companies do everything that they need to do right it's making them more profitable and it's also making you more profitable because mm-hmm. you're potentially paying out less that, but you that's know, exactly it that yeah. the whole point is let's help you run your business better you're going to save on insurance we're all going to win. Yeah. I mean, it, it's exactly what it is meant to do. And I should mention our two other Thrive people, just because I mentioned everybody else by name. <laughs> uh, Joseph Toppy works on the business finance side. So he helps us with just knowing your numbers within your business. Some An area of risk management that a lot of the smaller tree care companies really don't understand. You know, if money's left in the bank account at the end of the month, great. So how a lot of them operate. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, it. It's good that you don't have a negative balance, <laughs> of course, but you can make that, you know, be a lot better and, and actually understand what that number means. Hey, we, yeah. ha- we did have a good month or we didn't do as good. Um, and then Katie Peterson works on the sales and marketing side, really helping get your message, who you're trying to target from an individual customer. How can you get that message out there? Yeah. And from a risk standpoint, we've all taken on jobs, kind of what you mentioned with the municipal contracts overextending. We've all taken on jobs that are outside of our specialty, our expertise. We take on more risk then. We perhaps subject to renting equipment or needing to bring in a subcontractor to fulfill the job. And there's so much more risk when we're not working on our core type of work. So making sure our marketing message is directed to the right client is crucial to making sure we're doing the right jobs with the right people. So that, that's our team and it's yeah. it, it's been great to full circle that. Yeah. Um, surrounded around simply an insurance product. That's how we started it. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, really, I'm really impressed. Nice. Thank you. Nice. I mean, seriously, it's an awesome company. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show. Absolutely. It's getting to the time where you got to get back down to your booth. Yep. <laughs> to talk to more people. But uh, I hopefully I'll see you up at WA this year. We'll Maybe be we there. can grab a beer. It's Absolutely. Of, it's literally my favorite conference. It is the best one. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm partial to it, but of course. But it's great. Yeah. yeah it's we have a blast. Up a there. Great group of people up there. So, all right. Well, I'll see you up there. Thanks, Joe.